Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. The reading is from Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. All right, guys, Lord Jesus, we just worship you this morning. We praise you. We thank you so much for who you are and uh, how amazing you are, that you, would, uh, that you would think about each one of us more than all the grains of sand on every beach in the world, that you're constantly thinking about us because you love us so much. And Lord, I pray that uh, by your Holy Spirit, you would do something supernatural this morning, that this wouldn't be another Sunday, this wouldn't be another uh, day at church, that this would be a moment for believers and maybe even someone who doesn't know you yet, hasn't started a relationship with you yet, but they're here uh, for whatever reason. They, they ended up at this church this morning, um, and in some ways I feel bad for them for what's about to happen, but in some ways I feel very good what they're about to happen. But uh, Lord, we, we do just on a serious note, we ask that you would do something radical this morning. You'd move by your Holy Spirit um, and that we'd have hearts to hear. Anyone that's distracted, um, I ask, Lord, that you'd get rid of those distractions and they would just make the decision in their mind and in their heart to just uh, maybe worry about that after this service. Uh, get back to thinking about that after this service. But for now, I pray that every person would be able to supernaturally focus in on you and on your word. So, uh, Lord, thank you in advance for what you're about to do. I'm so excited. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Brian Jennings, and uh, I started a ministry called Walking on Water uh, in 1935. Um, just kidding. Um, long time ago. Um, and I am super happy to be here. Uh, we, I attended the Shoreline Church when we met here uh, for a long time. So this is a special place, and the Lord seems to keep bringing amazing people here. So I'm excited. Um, the Lord... I, I'll tell you when, it, it's a blessing to prepare a message because it just gets you in the Word, and it gets you to a point where it's like, Lord, I need to hear from you. I don't want to just show up and just, I have all kinds of messages I could pull from, but I was like, Lord, I don't want to just pull from some message. I want this to be your message for this morning, and I really believe that He's given that to me, so I'm excited to share that with you. Um, here's the title. The title is, God's Not Interested in Joining Your Program, but good news, His program is better than yours. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and by the time I was 17, I was, I was in uh, high school down in La Jolla, and I kind of had everything, but at the same time, um, the way I describe it is I had nothing, because um, I would go to bed at night just completely empty, and there was something missing, and I started going to this church um, because they had free pizza and cute girls. Um, that's a really good reason to go to church. You guys didn't get my joke, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> And as I was there for the free pizza and the cute girls, God was speaking to my heart actually through the, the worship 
um, and I'm not a worship leader. You don't want me to lead worship. But the music was speaking to my heart. And I started coming home going, wow, is it, is it possible that this God really loves me this much um, that he would send his son to die for me and be punished so that I wouldn't have to be punished? Like, is this real? Is this true? Um, and it was very new and fresh to me because I, I wasn't raised in a, in a Christian home. I didn't really understand the basics of the gospel message. Um, and I wrestled with it for a while. I wrestled with it. And then finally one night I, um, I came home from supposedly a perfect high school night. And you can imagine what that would mean in your own pure, perfect minds. But um, to me, it, it was other things. And I came home, and I was like, wow, Lord, I just basically accomplished everything that all my high school buddies said that I should accomplish on a high school night. And I am completely empty and miserable. And I kept thinking about church, and I kept thinking about what God had been speaking to my heart about this, about him and himself. So I opened up the Bible, and I opened it up to Isaiah um, uh, 50, uh, sorry, Isaiah, uh, yeah, 50, no, not 55, um, Sorry, I'm forgetting the scripture right now. Um, in Isaiah, I'll just say it that way. I'll find it later. Um, but it says, if you're willing and obedient, I think it's Isaiah 1, 18. Yeah, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. If you're willing and obedient, you'll inherit the best of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. And I didn't need a pastor. I didn't need a priest. I didn't need anybody to explain to me what that meant. I knew I had two choices. Be willing and obedient and get blessed. Re continue to resist and rebel, and you're going to be devoured. And I was already feeling devoured, and I knew I was resisting the way God would want me to live my life, and I was being devoured on a daily basis. In, in, inwardly, in my heart, I knew something was wrong. So finally, I go, well, I'm taking option two. I'm going to try this willing and obedient thing and see if I get blessed. So I got on my knees, received Christ, whatever that meant, just made, I don't know, I didn't really know how to pray, so I'm like, um, Lord, like, do I do this? Like, I don't know, but whatever it takes to, to like, talk to you right now, I want you in my life. And will you please forgive me for my sins? I know that I've done a bunch of things that I shouldn't have. Will you please forgive me? Uh, amen. I'm kind of looking around for some major thing to happen, and nothing happened. But I woke up the next morning, and there was something, something like slowly was taking place in my heart. There was something different happening. That was on a Wednesday. Well, Saturday was, I wanted to be a pro surfer, and the only problem was I wasn't that good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I still want it to be, okay? So you can laugh at me if you want, no. Um, so that was Thursday. Saturday, there was a pro surf contest down at my local beach with all my heroes in it, all these, these big time pro surfer guys that I looked up to. And um, so I entered the contest and I'm kind of like, well, now I have God in my life and, and, and he made the ocean. So like, maybe I'll do better today. And next thing I know, all the waves are coming to me and not to the other guys. So I'm like, this is awesome. Um, I make it through all the first three rounds, quarterfinals, semifinals. I'm like, what in the world? This is insane. And I make it to the final. The waves come to me, not to the other guys. And I win the event. And I'm like, this is insane. My buddies are like, what has gotten into you? I'm like, I think God got into me. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, he made the ocean. So then they're like, hey, this is crazy. It's like magic. You should go tomorrow and win that one. I'm like, which one? He goes, there's a contest in Huntington Beach. Go and surf in that thing. I'm like, all right. So I'm driving up to Huntington Beach. And there's this guy from Rip Curl Wetsuits. He's sitting there. And I'm this 17-year-old kid that's not that good at surfing. And I'm like, hey, if I win this contest today, will you sponsor me? I want to be a pro surfer. I don't want to work at Third One Flavors anymore. I keep eating their ice cream. I keep giving away their ice cream. And I, I'm going to get fired, so I need another job. And, and he looks at me. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, just, hey, if I win, if I win this contest, we, I want a contract. I don't want just free wetsuits. I want money. I want like a, a monthly check. 
And he's like, all right. And I go, shake on it. And he goes, all right. He goes, what's your name again? I'm like, my name's Brian, but don't worry about it. Round one, round two, round three. I'm looking at all these guys that surf way better than me. I'm not being humble. They really did. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, but I am going to kick your beep um, today. And it's just because God wants me to win. I don't know. This is a thing he's doing. I became a Christian the other day. So I'm in quarterfinals, semifinals. And I'm like, this is nuts. I'm going to win this contest again, aren't I, God? And he's like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, I know. And I'm like, no, this isn't cool. And I had this thought because I didn't understand the Bible. And it was like, wait, I've been a punk for 17 years. So you should punish me for 17 years. And then you can bless me. Because like, if you sock me in the face and then you're like, can we be friends? I would be like, maybe, but I'm going to sock you in the face first. And we'll be, at least be even, you know? And then that's just the way it works in life. Like maybe we can be friends if I sock you back. I didn't understand how the Bible worked, and so I'm in semifinals, and I decide to commit professional surfing suicide. And what I did was, those of you guys that surf, there was a huge hole in the ocean by the pier in Huntington Beach, and no waves broke there all day long. And I'm like, I'm not going to let you bless me, God. And he's like, probably just like, you're such a moron, but whatever. So I paddle over, and I'm sitting there all stubborn on my surfboard. I'll never forget it. And the other three guys in my heat were over there, and they're looking at me like, what is he doing? And I'm looking at them like, you should be glad I'm over here because if I was over there, I'd be beating you. So just be happy I'm sitting over here and stop making fun of me. Next thing I know, I look up and a wave is coming towards me. And I'm like, Lord, you're really funny, but I'm not taking it. And he's like, okay. And I let the wave go by and I look up and there's another one. I'm like, well, that's a really good one. I might go on that one. And I remember thinking in my head, I'm going to take this wave, but I'm going to try something. I'm going to like try to fall. So I took off, and this was before airs and before, like, this was before everything, um, but this was a long time ago. But the wave already broke, and I went up on this wave, and I just was like, I'm just going to throw my board up there and basically fall. And I promise you, somehow, like, three angels caught my board, caught me, and, like, made me even look good with good style, and, like, somehow made the maneuver happen. And I made the maneuver, and I was like, what in the world? Like, I can't even fall? Like, are you serious, Lord? Like, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, well, if that's going to happen, and I just kept going. I made it to the final. I won the contest. I called the guy from Rip Curl. I'm like, I am so sorry, buddy, but I'm on your team now. And he's like, no! I'm like, yeah. Um, and that's how my pro surfing career started. And I remember thinking, man, I should have become a Christian a long time ago. <laughs> this is insane. And I'm driving back, and a, a little 13-year-old kid named Chris Ward, who became a big-name pro surfer from San Clemente, was sitting in my car. He watched the whole thing happen. He told me I won the event before they told me I won the event. He's like, you won. I think you won. You won. I'm like, no, yeah, you won. And I won. I'm like, oh my gosh, I won. And then I'm trying to be cool. Like, oh yeah, I won. Yeah, I always win these. Yeah, no big deal. And I'm, I drop him off in San Clemente and I drive to La Jolla and I then finally he gets out of my car so that I could scream like a girl. And I'm just like, ah, freaking out. My dream came true. But all this to say, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Lord, why are you so good to me? And part of me was actually mad about it. And then he reminded me of a scripture that it's my kindness that leads you to repentance. And that started to sink into my heart. And I wish I could say from that day forward, I was just like on fire for the Lord. But I kind of, within months, I went back to my old ways. And one of my best friends came up to me and he was like, Brian, you can't, you can't do that. I'm like, I can't do what? He's like, you can't like go back to your old program. You can't be on like your program and God's program. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, no, I'm, it's cool. Like he, like he kind of is on my program. Like I want to be a pro surfer. Boom, did you see what he did like a few months ago? Like, it was pretty amazing. I, Saturday and Sunday, you remember that? I got the big check, got the thing, quit 31 Flavors. Like, I'm a pro surfer now. He's like, I know, but that's not how it works, buddy. And he's like, people are watching you now. Like, they saw God do something, and now they're watching how you're going to live your life. 
and you're kind of like back to your old program. And so back to this message, God's not interested in joining our program, but good news, his program is better than ours. And if you turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, um, we're going to go through a story that I am, I am just really excited to share. And I, I'm going to try and get through this um, in the amount of time that we have because there is so much to this. And before I forget, let me say this. It, t- it, it took, we're going to read about someone and it took him seven times, doing something seven times for something to really sink in. I'm going to, I'm going to um, give you a challenge. Read this um, chapter seven times. Read it seven times between now and Friday. 2 Kings chapter 5, read it seven times, write some notes down on your phone, on paper, whatever, from this message today. You'll get, I think you're going to get some nuggets from today and from this message, but I believe that the Lord will continue to speak to you as you meditate and marinate on His Word and on the Word of God. And so I, I really encourage you guys, don't just take this, okay, I'm going to listen to this message and I'm out. No, no, this is the first, you can count this as one, you got six more. Okay, so read this thing six more times and meditate on it and pray every time. Be like, Lord, what are you trying to, what are you speaking to my heart? Because there is so much going on here. Um, but here's the thing. I, I want to read this little intro that I wrote to you. Here's what, here's what I wrote. God is mostly concerned with your soul, your faith, your heart, and your eternity. If your soul is not doing well, then your health, your business, and your relationships are also not doing well. What does it profit a man if he gains the, the entire world yet forfeits his soul. All right, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a, a valiant soldier, but he, had le- but he had leprosy. This guy Naaman, it's actually an incredible story because we're about to read about one of the enemies of Israel. And, how, and it says right here that, it says right here, there's a lot of doctrinal things you've got to wrestle with here. Um, and I'm always reminded when I read this of that moment where the, the commander of the Lord's army stood there and they said, hey, who are you for? And, 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 and he said, well, I'm neither for you or against you. And it was a weird answer from the commander of the Lord's army. He's like, wait, aren't you for us? He's like, I'm neither for you or against you. It's kind of a weird thing to wrestle with. Think about that comment as you read this story. But back to this, it said right here in verse 1, um, because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram over Israel. But he, but uh, then he says he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Um, leprosy, as you guys know, was something that was just absolutely devastating. And it, and it would just completely end up taking over your body and you'd be outcasted. And he was probably hiding it. This was like one, basically the soldier of this country that was responsible for all these victories in battle. And so he was highly esteemed. Everybody looked at him, at, at Naaman, and looked up to him. But he's hiding something, and it basically represents sin in our lives. Um, verse 2. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. This alone you could, you could meditate on for a week. Here is a young girl who was taken captive from another country, and now she's basically a forced slave. And what is she saying? She's watching, she's watching Naaman and his family um, go through the agony of leprosy behind closed doors. She's in their house. And I wrote a note. It's like, who took who captive? Who took whom captive? For those of you guys that want to correct me. Who took whom captive? Um, <laughs> God does jujitsu maneuvers 
on people all the time. If you read the Bible, there's times where somebody's trying to, to do something evil to someone and the Lord actually reverses it and, and it ends up on their own head. And it's like a jujitsu maneuver. It's like all the force that's coming of evil and he just goes, whoop, whoop, actually it's gonna be on you. And it actually happens in this story later. I'm not gonna even go into it. It's like at the end of this chapter, you can read about that later. But my point is, they thought they had taken this young girl captive. That's not the way the Lord would describe it. Um, the Lord had this young girl where he wanted her. And what's amazing is that in her heart, she could have been bitter and angry and, and obviously just hated these people. They took her away from her family. She's a young girl. Took her away from her family. And, and instead, she has this heart of watching um, basically those who took her captive, watching them suffer. And she actually had a heart for them. Um, and she even, even went to the point of going, you know what? I actually know how you can get better. If only my master, uh, Naaman, would see the prophet who was in Samaria. He would cure him of, of his leprosy. Um, it's totally amazing to me to think about this girl and to think about how God uh, worked in and through her and that God actually wanted her where she was, which was a really difficult place to be, but it had to do with eternal purposes. And I totally believe when you study the Bible, it's impossible not to believe in purposeful pain um, and purposeful trials. Verse four, Naaman went to his master. So this is what I like about Naaman. The guy moves. He's a warrior. He, he's moving. Um, so, so Naaman hears this from this servant girl from another country that he looks down upon, and he could have just ignored it. So I'm not sure what voices you or I are ignoring in our lives, but there are some powerful voices from the Lord coming through sources that you might be ignoring right now. I've been convicted in my life um, as I've gotten older. I felt like at some point the Lord's been like, hey, um, who are your friends? I'm like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And the Lord's like, why? And I was like, because we've known each other a long time, you know, and this and that. And he's like, well, what about so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? And I remember just kind of thinking in my head, well, they're not as cool. They're not as whatever. It's like, yeah. Well, how do you feel after you spend, uh, have lunch with that person versus after you have lunch with that person? Who are you listening to, Brian? And I felt like the Lord was kind of con was convicting me and showing me, Brian, be careful on who you um, hold up in your life as highly esteemed and why. Um, so Naaman was smart and wise and at least had enough humility or maybe just desperation at this point to listen to the servant girl. So verse four, Naaman gets moving. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go. The king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Uh, the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this, servant, with, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. It gets super weird right there, actually, if you really think about it. It's like, wait, the girl didn't say anything about going to the king. He, she said, go to, she said, go to uh, see the prophet. Why are we talking about the king here, you know? Um, and I kind of wrote a little mental note, and it was just like, um, we just mess things up. Like, even when the Lord speaks, like, on what you're supposed to go and do, you interpret it in such a jacked up, weird way. And I do too sometimes. We kind of turn it into our program. The Lord's like, I never said for you to go talk to the king. I said to go talk to the prophet. Why are you talking to the king? And now the king start talking king language. 
It's like, here's the letter and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And we're about to read what happens here in a second, how it just gets confusing and jacked up and messed up. And the man of God actually needs to come in to the politicians and basically correct them and be like, um, actually, this is what's going on. But we'll, we'll get there in a second. Um, but, uh, but, but here's what I want to share. Oh, before we go on, I just want to stop and say, Naaman took the first step and went to the king. Um, after I won the pro-surf contest, uh, basically backslid. My friend corrected me. The Lord corrected me. I listened to it, thankfully. Started making changes in my life um, and started getting on God's program instead of my program. And then um, had, a, had a, a desire to share my faith with the whole world. Um, and just took the first step. Started a little surf camp. We had 10 kids. One kid almost broke his neck. The other kid stinking slammed his finger in the van two times. Like, how do you do it two times, dude? Like, ah! I'm like, oh my gosh, Ian, I'm so sorry. The next day, same exact place, same exact van. Boom, like slammed his, I'm like, you are so dumb, actually. You're dumb. So I'm taking you home. Um, but the first step was a surf camp. And I just want to say this, fast forward 23 years later, um, 23 summers of consecutive surf camps, thousands of students coming to know Christ from all over the world. Uh, a couple years after the camp, we had an idea, let's make a movie. Just didn't know how to do it. Just started doing it. God provided, took the first step towards it. And then God did the next, provided for the next, provided for the next. Anyway, 40 million people have heard the gospel as a direct result of taking the next steps. We're just a bunch of knucklehead surfer guys that don't know what they're doing. Don't tell anyone, but we pretend that we know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. Still don't know what we're doing. Um, we've made some corrections, a lot of corrections along the way. Another guy, um, our latest movie, is, or one of our latest movies is Beyond Sight, about a blind surfer that um, was born in Brazil and had a desire to surf pipeline. And uh, so, make a long story short, it's one of the hardest projects I've ever um, done in my life. I had to teach, I basically taught him English. So I just want to ask you this. How do you get, how do you direct a blind person? How do, here's how you do it. They can hear, right? So you go, hey, Derek, please come forward. I need you to carry your board. Yeah, like we have everyone filming. We're ready. We need you to walk from there to there. I just need you to walk 10 feet and look natural. That's all I need you to do. And he's like, huh? I go, huh? Ah, ah. He doesn't know English. So how do you direct a blind person that doesn't speak your language? Do you use hand motions? No, doesn't see you. It was the most difficult project of all time. And to make long story short, we make the movie. Um, we've shown it to 200,000 people around the world. Uh, I taught him English. And because I taught him English, he was able to flirt with a German girl. And then he married her. So I am responsible for their marriage. Um, he's from Brazil. She's from Germany. Luckily, they both know English. Somehow they met in Australia. Super confusing. And then he goes, hey, Brian, um, I have an idea for another project. I'm like, that's awesome, Derek. I'm so not involved. And um, he's like, no, seriously. I'm like, okay, what is it? He goes, I'm going to go surf the biggest waves in the world. I'm like, Derek, you already surfed Pipeline. That was also already like semi like irresponsible of us, but walking by faith, living by faith, not by sight. It was awesome. You inspired the world. Let's just chill out, bro. Like, this is good. He goes, no, I'm going to go to Portugal. I'm going to surf like a 50-foot wave. And then I'm going to go to Jaws and Maui. And then I'm going to go to Chopu and Tahiti. I'm going to surf the three scariest, most dangerous waves that will crush somebody that can see, um, let alone someone that can't see. So I'm going to go do that. Will you support me? And I'm like, no, Derek, I won't. But he doesn't listen to me because he's just listening to the Lord, listening to his heart. So he takes, like Naaman, he takes the first step. And what does he do? He starts a, um, a GoFundMe page type thing, and I didn't support it yet. Well, I did afterwards, after I saw what I'm about to show you. But I didn't. 
And then he raised $5,000. It was enough for him to go to Portugal. Just to go the first step. He wanted to make a movie, a whole new movie. I'm like, you guys go do that and I'll be praying for you. Which in Christian, that means I'm not getting involved. You know? Um, So I said, I'll pray for you. Like Naaman, who is a mighty warrior, and this guy is awesome, actually. Yes, he has leprosy, but he's had victories in battle. Why? Because he takes steps forward. He moves forward. He's moving. So Naaman hears this from the servant girl, and he goes to the king. Derek is a warrior as well in his own way, and he took the first step. The guy doesn't stop. So he took the first step, and the next thing I know, he sends me a text message of him surfing a 50-foot wave, and I would like to show you that wave. And just when you see this, this is a blind surfer. This is a blind person, and he said that um, people, when they measured that wave, it was anywhere between 40 and 55 feet is what people were arguing over when you could actually see the, when it was breaking. Um, it completely tumbled him afterwards, and the jet ski came and got him, and he ended up being okay. Um, but I mean, honestly, that's what happens when you... T- so, so when Derek was telling me... Oh, sorry. Not, not, I'm not even done with the best part of the story. So he's there, he has $5,000, barely enough just to get there. He does that, and because he did both those two steps, he ends up meeting somebody from a huge network, and they're like, oh my gosh, you're amazing, and that wave was amazing, and do you have the footage from that wave? He goes, oh yeah, I raised $5,000 so that I could hire the filmers and I could get here and do this, but I don't know what I'm going to do now. I wanted to make a whole movie, but Brian, he's kind of tired of me, so he's not going to do it. And I'm like, and the guy goes, well, um, how about I do it? So now he ended up, because he took the first step, um, this guy got his whole project funded, um, so he's now going to go to Jaws. I think he's going to go to Tahiti, pray for his safety. I'm still not supporting him. Um, no, but honestly, he's amazing, and he's just, I just wanted to share that kind of side story with you guys because it hit me so hard that when he, he took that first step, and as he took the first step, he got there, the waves came, he had the courage to go, and then he meets the guy, and now his next project's happening. And I wanted to encourage you guys, sometimes you're stuck um, and you're not willing to just take the first step. Or maybe you feel like you need to be prepared for 10 or 15 steps, especially you business guys. A lot of business guys come to walk in water, they're like, now what's your five-year strategy? I'm like, I don't know, but in the next five minutes, here's what I'm going to do. It's going to be awesome. Um, you're going to hand me your coffee. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but the, the point is, sometimes the Lord's ways are not our ways, and he just wants you to take the next step. Um, let's, let's move on with the story. But uh, where were we? Um, oh, yeah, back to Naaman. Naaman takes the first step, goes to, the, goes to, the, to his master, goes to the king. Um, the king sends him with all this money. Um, it, actually, it actually means like, I don't know, I think, I, think I, I looked it up. It looked like it was like $1.3 million. The king's like, here, I'm going to send you with a letter. I'm going to send you with all this money. And then look what happens in verse 7. Um, as, soon, as soon as the king of Israel, so now the kings are talking and they're jacking everything up. It's about to get super weird here in a second and war almost takes place, actually. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow, love that, that's awesome. Why does this fellow who basically, who also just attacked us and, and won and defeated us and took captive people like the young girl, Right? Um, why does this fellow send someone to, uh, to me to, to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? He thinks that the king's just totally messing with him because man's getting in the way of God's program. God had said through this amazing servant girl from Israel, hey, if you want to get healed of your leprosy, simple, go and find the prophet in Israel. That's what you need to do. Don't go find the king. Go find the prophet. Um, but look what happens. Verse 8. 
Verse 8, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the, have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. So Naaman's got all these people with him, all these horses, chariots. You know, he's got this big, like, entourage, and he shows up at Elisha's house, the prophet, right? So look, I love, I, I love this. This is... Because it's happened to me, God's done this to me. Elisha sent a messenger to uh, Elisha sent a messenger. Elisha didn't show up at the front door. He's like, "Oh, Naaman's out there. Okay, cool. Yeah, can you go tell him this for me?" Um, sends a messenger to say to him, "Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be re- restored, and you will be cleansed." But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would, listen to this. This is, what Naaman had, this is Naaman's program. Naaman had it all planned out, just like some of us have it all planned out. Like, here's the, here's the way it's going to work, God. Like, I'm going to receive you into my life. You're so lucky. I'm going to receive you into my life. And you're going to bless me with this, 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 and that. And we're going to, yeah, I'll make some sacrifices over here. I'll make some changes over here. But this whole area of my life, like, don't even, um, I'm just going to say it nicely and kindly, like, don't even think about touching that area. So like, yeah, did you hear? Yeah, just stay away from that. And what we're going to do actually is you're going to show up in a big way over here on this day and this time, and it's going to be amazing for you and me. It's going to be great. Um, So verse 11, look what happens. But Naaman went away angry. Hey, he wanted to be healed of leprosy. He found where he was supposed to go, which was to the prophet. The prophet gives him instructions on what to do. He's like, hey, it's super simple. Just go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Um, But Naaman didn't like that answer. And he really didn't like the fact that he's there with all his chariots and all his money and all his stuff. And the the man of God doesn't even come out to greet him face to face. He sends a messenger. But he did that on purpose. He did all of it on purpose. Because God was working on Naaman's heart. That's what mattered the most. Um, So, but Naaman went away angry and said, I thought my program was that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God. And yeah, it'd be cool if he'd like wave his hand over this spot and cure me of my leprosy in front of all my entourage. And they can all be like watching this. And then he goes, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, the better than any of the waters of Israel? Like he wants me to wash in Israel. Like we just, we just defeated Israel. Like, you guys are our enemies. Like, you're lucky I'm here. Are you just so happy that I'm here right now, God? Like, this was his heart. And I I love it because wait till the end and wait till the change of his heart. But at this point, Naaman's heart was basically like, you're so glad I'm here, right? (laughs) You know? I don't know if you ever have that that, that attitude, but it's like, oh, I've arrived. You You guys are really, really stoked right now. Like, I'm here. Party started. We're ready to have some fun because I arrived at your house. Um, not that I can, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying you can relate because you guys are all humble. Um, I don't know. I love this. I don't know if you guys are in this with me, but I'm in this with me. So anyway, um, <laughs> couldn't I wash in them, be cleansed? So he turned away. I love this. Well, like, I mean, it's interesting. Um, so he turned and went off in a rage. This guy was ticked. He was mad. And, and it's interesting because just before a breakthrough, there can be some serious anger 
There is a wrestle going on here. I mean, th- he's had leprosy for a long time. He's, he's been on this journey. I think, I could be wrong, um, but I think he traveled 150 miles to get here with his entourage. He went to the king first. The king was confused. I mean, it's been a, you know, he's done, a, he's been on a journey to get there. And there's a lot of self-entitlement. Um, like, like, hey, I, I basically saved our country. I'm pretty much the man in our country. Like I defeated our enemies, which was you, Israel, and I'm now here. I don't even, and, and the only reason, and I'm humbling myself to even be here to talk with you, and you're not even coming out of your house, man of God, to speak to me face to face. This is a big humble pie all a mode is what I call it. And um, can you just raise your hand if God's ever given you a slice of humble pie all a mode in your life? Anybody? Okay. Well, those of you who have not raised your hand, it's coming. It's going to, it's coming. Um, and just, just have a bite and just know he loves you. Um, but on a serious note, hopefully in this story, and it's easier to see in someone else's story than your own. So like a little like um, side note right now, please, I encourage you, listen up right now. Because if you can get some of this, humble pie a la mode for Naaman, you might not have to eat your own. Seriously, if you heard this story and heard it loud and clear in your heart and your mind and you actually made some changes in your life um, as a result of this message that God's speaking into your life, he might not have to come with this humble pie all emote into your life. Um, and the, what I mean by humble pie is circumstances. He is really good at, at creating circumstances that will humble you. Um, not because not he's mean, uh, actually because he's the opposite. He loves you too much. He's going to shake up your life when um, he's seeing it going in different directions that he's not okay with. Um, so Naaman turned and went off in a rage. And then verse 13, once again, this guy was blessed with friends, and he wouldn't even call them friends probably. He probably just like, oh, whatever. Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Like something simple. So, and and, okay, before I even read this, so he went down and and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. But before I even read that part, something crazy major happened from verse 11 to verse 14. He went from being super angry um, and full of entitlement focused on himself, focused on, on like all the reasons why basically the man of God should come out and meet him on his program. And, and somehow he, he, something turned and he went away in a rage, super angry. And, and then his servants, I don't know how much time went on, but I don't want to, I don't want to just read through this because he went from being very angry and like, hey, don't mess with my program. And to be honest, in this message right now, in this a room, this, this full of people, What the Lord is saying, like the title of this message is, God's not interested in joining your program. But good news, his program is better than yours. But for us in our flesh and in our selfishness and in our worldview and in our minds and in our Christianity that we've made up, that's not biblical, um, this is my program, God, so like join me or or not. But this is the way we're going to do this Christianity thing. And And he's gently saying to us today, yeah, or you can read the story about Naaman who I really got a hold of him um, because I wasn't going to join his program. I'm not, and then I thought about this driving here today. I was thinking, the Lord will meet you where you're at because we always say that in, in Christianity and in church. The Lord will meet you where you're at. And Jesus was very good at, he would go to where the lost were. 
He met me where I was at. But that's very different than he's not going to join, he's not going to meet you where you're at and join your program. He's going to meet you where you're at and then he's going to say, it's been great, now come join my program. You can either stay here where I met you where you were at, you can stay here, or you can come join my program. They're not both going to happen. And so even as I'm sharing this story with you guys, it's probably, there's probably, I hope, I hope and pray that there's a wrestle going on in some of your hearts and minds right now. It's like, whoa, Lord, no. You know, like he, I hope he's convicting all of us of like, what's, what part of my life is, is my program that I've never let the Lord allow in, into? And there might be someone here that's like, you've never been on God's program, and that's okay. Today's your day. This morning's your morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ in your life and start a relationship with him right here and now. But it doesn't just mean a prayer. It means I'm going to pray, receive you into my life, and then like what happened to me, you need to be willing then to let him come in and bring you along on, into his program. Change your life. And all it means is get rid of all the junk and replace it with good stuff. Um, it's awesome. It's actually amazing what the Lord wants to do in our lives as we're going to see here with Naaman. But I just didn't want to miss that because he went from being super mad at what God was speaking into him and how God was treating him um, to verse 14. And I hope that everybody in this room can get to verse 14 in your life. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. So now they, now they go back to Elisha, right? They go back to the man of God. And listen to this. He stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all of the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The pr- Please, I don't want to miss this either, because I actually did miss it until we were worshiping, and then the Lord reminded me, hey, don't miss that. And I was like, oh yeah, and I wrote it down. Please accept now a gift from who? Your servant. Are you kidding me right now? Naaman is saying that he's the servant of the man of God in Israel? This, was, this guy just went from, hey, I'm here. You're lucky I'm here. Because a few months ago, I was actually taking over your whole country and I defeated you, but you're lucky I'm here and you're lucky I'm here and I'm not here to kill you. Because that's what I was a few months ago, but I'm here to let you bless me. How many of us show, show up at church like, Lord, I'm going to let you bless me today? Oh my gosh, this is not cool. Like we, we need to have this. But then he shows up, God does this massive thing. There's this wrestle, he's angry, he's mad. And then somehow his awesome gentle servants go, hey, hey. If he was asking you to do something major and big, you were like ready to do that. You like wanted God to have you go do some big major thing. But are you okay with like just like, like the little things, the small things, the relational things, the, the, the routine? And I wrote down a couple things on that too that I wanted to just before I get back to this moment of him saying, no, I'm now your servant. But here's what it took, Naaman. It took, it took humility. It took persistence. Um, it took obedience. It was a constant routine. Can you imagine? And I want you guys to be thinking about all these things as you read this story, because I'm hoping you're going to do this and read it six more times this week. But as you do, think about the fact, what was Naaman doing on the, on the first time he went under the water in Jordan? Just like, uh, he probably didn't have the best heart. He's probably like, all right. It's probably the third time. He's like, yeah, nothing. I told you there'd be nothing. Six times. And then the sixth time, then like, oh, I guess I might as well do one more. He told me to do it seven times. I don't know, I don't know what he was doing, but he was very humble. This poor, this poor guy was humbled in the enemy's uh, country, in the enemy's river, 
obeying the enemy's prophet, right? And he's just humbling himself and humbling himself. But God wasn't doing this to like, oh, this is so funny. Watch Naaman. He's going to have to dip seven times. That's not God, you guys. God's looking at this like, go, Naaman, go. I want to see that pride broken off you every dip. I want you to, I want, oh, please let that pride just get off of you. That, that entitlement, let it get off you. Your program, may that program get washed off you all those six times so that on the seventh time when I do this miracle, it's so much bigger than just healing you. It's so much bigger. I'm actually about to show you who God of the universe, the one and only God is. So he comes back and he says, please accept now a gift from your servant. So he went from being this angry, prideful, self-entitled person to a person's humbly saying, you know what? There is no other God in the entire world. Not in my country. He had so much pride in his own country. Not in my country, not in my worldview, not in my politics, not in my stuff. There is no God other than the God of Israel. And I am here as your servant. Um, verse 16, the prophet answered, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. I'm not going to accept your money, Naaman. You can take your money, take your entourage. I don't need any of that, don't want any of that. Um, and even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. Um, he wanted to actually take dirt from Israel so that he could be on Israel's dirt because it was the God of Israel and he wanted to be able to be on that soil. Um, and then he says it again, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. This is what God wants in our lives. We've gone around the world um, sharing the gospel and our invitation is, hey, here's a movie about a blind surfer that something, you know, lives by faith, not by sight. He has a relationship with God. Do you want a relationship with God? Um, I wish I had more time. I'm going to try and do this really quick. Um, the other day at Starbucks, I'm backing out. The other guy's backing out. And then just boom, smashed each other. He comes out. He's like, it's totally your fault. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure about that. But tell me more, you know, and I'm just listening to him. Anyway, his name was Young, um, Young Kim, super nice, like um, 79-year-old man. And I go, you know what? I got a guy that can fix this. Make a long story short, um, he's like, okay, and I'm all, it's better than insurance, trust me, blah, blah, blah. It might have been your fault, might have been my fault, might have been both of our faults, but our insurance, you got a deductible, all this stuff. I'm like, just trust me, let's go, let's take it to my guy. And he goes, oh, can you take me too? And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, can you take me there? So I had to take, I had to drive him to Oceanside, and then at o I dropped the car off, and the guy's like, yeah, we'll be down around like 2 p.m. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm like, so young, um, there's a coffee shop like right over there, and so just go get coffee, and then just walk back. And he's like, you're not going to go with me? And I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord. I just knew it. I knew it. The Lord was like, I got a divine appointment for you today and you're not getting away from it. I ended up hanging out with Young the whole day and sharing God with him. And he asked me all these really good questions. And one of them was, How, what is a relationship with God? How do you start a relationship with God? What does that mean? And is the Bible really the word of God? And I was able to answer these questions um, with him. And it, it reminded me of the story of Naaman and how Naaman went from like not knowing who God was to knowing who God was and even getting to this point where he said, for your servant, I am now a servant of God. I will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifice to any other God but the Lord. And this is what I'm hoping that if someone's here today that you're going to start a relationship with the Lord for your first time, this is what God's calling you to do. Um, in Christianity, a lot of times we talk about, oh, it's by grace that you were saved. 
But there's some powerful scriptures, you guys, and we have forgotten this in Protestant Christianity. Um, we have forgotten about the reverence of God, and we have also forgotten about scriptures like this, um, where it says that uh, your James uh, two fourteen faith without works is dead. Um, basically, you know, like try. You know, my wife and I have really been talking about this a lot. Love is action. I mean, it did a whole other message. The whole thing was love is action. There's no way you can just tell your spouse that you love them, but there's no action. If you don't, if, if there's no love in action going on, don't even say that you love them because that doesn't, and I actually texted my wife, I love you, and I felt like the Lord said, you're so prideful. I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, you're prideful. What you just said was, I'm so patient with you. I'm so kind to you. Um, I'm so long-suffering with you. I am always protecting. I am, all, I mean, just read 1 Corinthians 13, and that's what you say. Every time you say you love someone, you're saying that you are love in action to them, not just I love you. And so with starting a relationship, Naaman realized now who God was, and he also realized that I need to get rid of a bunch of junk in my life. Um, I want to I close with this. I want to um, read this to you guys. Okay. Uh, in fact, if you can, just close your eyes and, and listen to this, this uh, conclusion that I wrote. Is it possible that God does not want to join your program? Not because he is stubborn or mean, but because he knows that there is a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but in the end, it leads to death. Is it possible that we are like Naaman, prideful, self-consumed, blinded, and, in, and enjoying our program that seems to work well for us, at least for a season? Is it possible that our program needs to be interrupted in God's most perfect, loving, gentle, kind ways so that we can be on his program, living life in a truly abundant way, glorifying him. Is it possible that God is hoping you will be in a place to hear his voice as he tells you his next assignment for you, however great or small it might be? Let's trust the Lord as he leads us to our Jordan River and let's be willing to submerge ourselves as many times as needed so that his work may be complete in us. And so we, like Naaman, can move forward praising God in health and in blessings. Lord Jesus, I just um, first want to give somebody an opportunity today uh, to just receive you into their lives, to start a relationship with you. Um, uh, one that, that knowing, and, and knowing that by doing so, the first thing you're going to ask them to do um, is get rid of the junk. Make efforts to get rid of the junk in your life. And that, Lord, you'll help them do it. But that is something you're asking them to do. But, Lord, I just, um, if that's you, if that's you, anyone here that wants to receive Christ into your life, I want to give you that opportunity. I'm just going to pray this prayer with you. Um, if you feel like the Lord's speaking to you, saying, hey, I, I, I love you. I don't love your program. I don't love the way you're doing life. But I love you. In fact, I died for you. I rose from the dead for you. And, and if you're finally at a place where you're like, you know what, God? I want to jump onto your program. I, I want to jump into your life. Um, if that's you, just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of all my sins. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you think about me every day. I thank you that you're, you're strong enough and, and loving enough to say, hey, no more, no more with your program. Um, I want you to join my program because my, my program's perfect. I want to give you a life abundant. It won't always be easy, but you'll be blessed and you'll be with me every step of the way. Um, I want to invite you into my life. I want to start a relationship with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to spend time serving you and helping those that need help. Um, I want to spend time doing things for others, not just for myself. And I just want to know that the day that I die, that I will be going to heaven for eternity. 
And so, Lord, we all just pray over anybody that, that made that decision um, this morning. And, and while we all keep our eyes closed, if anyone prayed that, can you raise your hand if there's anyone that knew they needed to do that? Just raise your hand high. Awesome. One. Anybody else? Two. Awesome. Anybody else knew they needed it? Awesome. A few of you guys. Anyone else in the back or anywhere? Yep. Right on. Cool. Lord, I thank you for five or six or so that prayed that prayer, Lord, this morning. And I pray that um, you would really honor that prayer and that they would now, they would honor you like Naaman saying, you know what, I'm, really, I'm ready to get rid of all the other false gods out there that I've pretended would fill me up or bless my life. Um, give them the strength to repent and to turn from those things. And then, Lord, I want to pray for every believer in here right now um, that we would be encouraged by this story, that, Lord, um, that, you know, it's amazing how you worked even in, in and through one of Israel's enemies. You love all people. You, you really do, Lord. You love every single person in this world. And you're considered, uh, you're, you're concerned with our hearts um, more than our circumstances. And you use our circumstances. You want to heal us, God, physically. Um, but Lord, in, in Naaman's case, you were, you were obviously more um, concerned with him coming to faith in you knowing who you are, knowing that you're good, knowing that you're the only God. Um, and then you wanted Naaman to go back to his wife, go back to his kids, go back to his king, go back to his country and say, look, say, look this is what happened. I'm healed. And, and, and I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but I can see. I, I, I didn't know who God was. Now I know who God is. It's the God of Israel. And he was someone that you were going to use and you did use in a powerful way, Lord. And I pray that everybody in here would read 2 Kings chapter 5 six more times this week. And as they do, Lord, I pray that you would speak to them and that they would be courageous enough to, do, to take that first step. Um, if there's someone in here, Lord, that, uh, that needs to start reading their Bible more, that they would do it. If someone in here needs to get in a small group, if someone needs to uh, do some exercise program, someone needs to start spending more time with um, their family or or maybe they're spending too much time with their family, they actually need to work a little bit, whatever it is, Lord, but you, you speak to, the, speak to our hearts, Lord. We want to know. We, want, we, we invite you. It's a dangerous prayer, but it's a good prayer. We invite you to shake us up. We invite you, Lord, to, into our program. And uh, Lord, forgive us for our program when it gets in the way of your program. And so we really want to be um, living this life according to you and with you daily. And there's a peace that comes with that. That, is, that nothing compares to. So thank you that we can now worship you more this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I wrote down a couple things. In closing, you can stay standing. I'm just going to read what I wrote here. Following the Lord means it's never too late for you. It's never too late for God to accomplish his plan for you. You may think you're too old, too broken, too worn out, worn down, or not worn enough inexperienced, lacking talent, or for some other reason, unable. But God looks at you and says, perfect. Less of you means more of me through you. So what is the Lord speaking to you about in your life right now? Is it a dream, a change you need to make, a habit that he wants to break? So the first question is, what is he speaking to you about? And the second question is, what is the first step that you need to take? Like Naaman, what is that first step? Or if you've already started on the journey like we heard about, if you've started down that path, but maybe you've gone back to some old things, what's the next step that you need to take? 
it's a weekend of Thanksgiving. And so we're going to pray and, and close. And then, like Tyler said, there will be people up front. Yes, come on up. Um, someone's on my heart was just one thing I forgot to mention um, and it was kind of a one thing that the Lord showed me was Naaman almost missed it um, he almost missed it if it, when he was in that that um, rage that anger um, if he wouldn't have listened to his servants when they said hey, hey, hey like don't don't miss it they're basically saying don't miss it in a, in a real humble gentle loving way they're like don't miss it Na- Naaman like yeah, it's not the way you want it to be. It's not, it's not what you had planned or the way you thought God was going to move in your life or how it was going to happen, but it's about to happen if you will do what God's telling you to do. And it's different. But he, if he would have just gone, nope, and, and been even angry with them, he would have missed it. Like, we, you can miss it. And I'm not trying to put fear, but the Lord does talk about warning. And so this is kind of a word of warning, and I think the Lord just reminded me. And it's a word of warning to all of us. You can miss it. You can keep going on your program, um, but you're going to miss it. You're going to miss what God wants to do. Uh, So, Lord Jesus, we pray that uh, I pray, Lord, right now, that every single one of us in this church would not miss it, would not miss your blessing. I believe that by your Holy Spirit, you have spoken to each one of our hearts already. We know what to do, Lord. We know what you're speaking to us. We know what you're asking us to do, what to, what to go and do, what to go and give up, what to go, what the action is, what the, the love and action is, what the faith, the, the faith, the, the work of our faith is, what that next step is. We know what it is. You've spoken it this morning. I believe that. And I pray that every person in here would not fight that, would not get angry with that, um, and they would not miss it. We don't want to miss your blessings, Lord. Please, God. I hope that um, there'd be so many praise reports later. It's like, oh, the Lord spoke to me that morning that you were up there and you were talking about Naaman and the Lord spoke to me and, and I didn't want to miss it, so I did this. And so, Lord, I pray right now, one last time, that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to every person in here what they need to do and that, that by the end of this week, they would do it. Maybe even by the end of today, they would do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.